are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day listening to the always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas, I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. For today's show, we are discussing last night's D-backs loss to the LA Dodgers. They lost the first game of the series. Then we're talking some injury updates with some D-backs players. And then we wrap up the pod with Lockdown Rangers host Bryce Patrick talking about the AL wildcard race. So we got a whole bunch I want to talk to you guys about today. But remember, Join walking baseball encyclopedia Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call him Sully every day on Lockdown MLB for a unique look at the majors both present and past. Featuring exciting guest interviews and routine check-ins from the Lockdown MLB Network's team of local experts. Subscribe to Lockdown MLB today on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 from my personal account. You know it's me when you see that blue check mark. Or just go in that search bar on Twitter and Instagram just Type in Locked On Diamondbacks. I'm sure you'll find the podcast show handle. Now, let's jump right into today's podcast and let's discuss last night's D-backs loss because the D-backs at this time of the season, as we all know, are playing for absolutely nothing. The only thing they're playing for right now is to avoid the worst record in franchise history. They have 18 games left before their Tuesday night game against the LA Dodgers. There's 18 games left. I believe the worst record in D-backs franchise history, I believe, is it's either 52 or 51 wins. I've been looking at this a lot. The numbers have gone jumbled in my head. But either way, the D-backs are at 47 wins, so they don't have a lot. The worst record in franchise history is 51 and 111. So the D-backs just have to win five of their next 18 to avoid the worst record in franchise history. But the way they've been playing the last three weeks, it has not been pretty by the Arizona Diamondbacks. And last night was a game where they could potentially avoid that worst record in franchise history, at least start moving in that direction because they had their best pitcher on the mound last night. At least I thought he was their best pitcher. I kid, I kid. Zach Allen is the best pitcher on the Arizona Diamondbacks, even though He hasn't been peak Zach Allen. He hasn't been the Zach Gallen we know and love on the season. He only has a 4-4-4 ERA straight across Jay-Z album, 4-4-4. He's got that as his ERA. Last night, it was just another performance by Zach Gallen, which was average. He's been kind of average this whole season. I don't think he's been bad. I don't think he's been very good either. He's had moments where he's been good. He's had games where he's been good. But he's also had starts where you're like, Is this the same pitcher who set the all-time MLB record for most consecutive starts of allowing three earned runs or fewer? Is this the same guy? It's been hard to see this season. Sorry if the mic shook. I was really into that that take just now. But is this still the same guy? We didn't really get to see it last night. Zach Allen, five and one-thirds innings pitch. Gave up eight hits, three walks, four earned runs. He only was able to walk out four. That's been the biggest 
issue for Zach Allen really this season. He's not really generating a lot of swings and misses, not a lot of swinging strikes. He, he wasn't able to do that a lot last night. And when you look at Zach Allen's pitches, one thing that kind of stood out to me that I didn't really realize is According to StatCast, baseball savant, Zach Gallen has added a slider to his pitching repertoire that he hasn't had the last two seasons. He's had a five-pitch repertoire, according to StatCast, the last two seasons, which is already pretty expansive. But in 2021, he's allegedly added a slider as well. And so far, hasn't worked out to his benefits. The slider has been one of the worst pitches he's used this season. A 239 average against with a 652 slugging against batters are batting 652 against gallons slider that's by far his worst of the season the worst actually is his sinker but he's only thrown his sinker six times this year compared to the slider 172 times this year the second worst pitch is his cutter which he's thrown 142 times and batters have a 563 slugging against compared to 652 against that slider in the past he never used the slider and that worked out for him. But this season, he threw the slider into his repertoire and it has not been effective of a pitch. It has not really worked out for him. And the slider is something that it can be a devastating pitch when you watch someone like Chris Sale, that sweeping action where it goes left to right. It can be a devastate, devastating strikeout pitch, but that hasn't happened for Zach Gallon this season. And it's really curious to why he wanted to throw that pitch into his repertoire, why he wanted to add that pitch into his arsenal. So maybe for next season, one thing Zach Gallon has to do is going back to the basics and minimizing his arsenal. I'm not saying he has to do a Luke Weaver and just go fastball changeup for 99% of the pitches he throws, but maybe take out that slider and just go back to fastball, cutter, changeup, and still do your curveball. You still got four pitches. You don't need the knuckle curve. You don't need uh, the slider. Just stick with four, maybe five pitches, and I think Zach Allen would be okay. But looking at the rest of the game last night, oh, before we look at the rest of the game, I did want to say a crazy Zach Allen stat that just kind of emphasizes how average he's been this season because in his last 12 starts, eight of them, he's given up at least three earned runs over his last 12 starts, at least Three earned runs in eight of his last twelve, and only in a, in only one of them he's given up more than four earned runs. Or excuse me, in two of them he's given up more than four earned runs. One where he gave up five, and one where he gave up seven. So he's usually in that three to four range. That means at least half of his starts he's given up three or four earned runs. Well, compare that, juxtapose that to 2020. Zach Gallon only had for the entire season he made 12 starts last year for the entire season he had two starts where he gave up more than two earned runs think about that and 12 starts last year he only had two starts where he gave up more than two this season he has eight starts where he's given up at least three so Zach Allen has definitely been the definition of average this season and when we look at the offense from last night it was definitely average only got six hits runners in scoring position one for eight nine strikeouts more strikeouts than hits three walks not good enough at least you got a Josh Rojas at least you got a couple hits last night Kento Marte picked up a hit as well Kento Marte is gonna finish the year batting around 320 with like a 950 OPS his numbers are gonna be pretty crazy and uh, a lot of it's gonna be because he hasn't played a ton of games but it would at least look good for Ketel Martez I don't want to use this phrase but I will say trade value if it did come to that for the D-backs if Ketel Martez agency asked out if the D-backs were really into a full rebuild 
his numbers, at least at the end of the year, are going to look crazy. But 74 games is not a lot of games. And it's a it's a pretty small big reason why Ketel Marte's numbers look so gaudy. But he's honestly lived up to those numbers when he has played this season. But the rest of the offense, not good enough last night. Zach Gallon not good enough last night. But at least the pitching, the bullpen was there. At least the bullpen showed up and only gave up one earned run after Zach Gallon came out the game. So from that standpoint, if we had to find a silver lining in last night's game, I guess over the course of the last three innings, the bullpen only gave up one earned run. Big whoop-de-doo. Now we'll talk about some injury updates with some pretty big-time D-backs players, but I want to talk to you guys about Bet Online because we're back and better than ever. All eyes are now Turn to the gridiron as teams are back for the football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use that promo code NFL100. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. Alright, alright, alright. Let's get back into the pod. Let's talk about some injury updates with the D-backs because there's some big time players in this D-backs roster that could be coming back pretty soon on the horizon. The first one I want to talk about is Tyler Clippard, who was who is clear to resume bas- uh, I almost said basketball, baseball activity after being on the COVID-19 injured list, although he never tested positive for the virus. So Tyler Clippard's been out for a minute with this illness i guess we can call it because it's not covid even though we are in a pandemic there are still flus and colds still out there not every time you get sick it's covid guys so remember if you get sick get tested but don't you don't have to fear the worst that you're gonna die from covid sometimes it is just the common cold so keep that in mind for everyone's sake and uh perspective and sanity because i know seeing all this information sometimes uh it can get you very anxious in today's society there's so many different avenues that make you anxious i know i'm a very anxious guy but let's not go down this uh crazy rabbit hole of anxiety but if you guys ever need to talk about your mental health just hit me up on twitter but tyler clippard he's coming back soon he's got two six five era this season so he's actually been the best d-backs reliever possibly i think you can make that argument and this is probably the best reliever offseason bullpen addition Mike Eason has made in a minute because last year Hector Rondon Junior Guerrero those guys did not work out in the D-backs uniform this season Chris Davinsky Joaquin Soria those guys didn't work out most of these bullpen guys that Mike Eason likes to sign just don't work out maybe it's because he likes to sign old guys or dudes who other teams just really aren't that interested and I guess Tyler Clippert fell into that bucket but Maybe they should have been interested because he had a 3.67 ERA in 2018, 2.9 in 2019, 277 2020, and now a 2.65 in 2021. This guy's gotten better every single season. And 
It was only 26 innings in 2020, but he's pitched 17 innings in 2021. If he can get to around 21 innings pitch, I think that'll be a pretty decent sample size for Tyler Clippard. He's got a pretty low whip of only one, and he's been solid this season. Hits per nine at 6.4, walks per nine at 2.6, strikeouts per nine at 7.9. Hasn't really been a strikeout artist, but he's just done a great job this season of limiting damage and not getting killed when he's gone out there on the mound. That's really all you can hope for with a D-backs bullpen arm. Don't get crushed on the mound. So many D-backs bullpen arms get crushed. They give up three earned runs. They like to walk a dude and then give up a double. So many times you see it happen, especially late in games where the D-backs are right there within striking distance or might have a slight lead. That's where the bullpen really struggles, but not for Tyler Clippard. He has been solid in those high leverage situations for the D-backs this season, and maybe he's making a case for himself next year to be the closer for the D-backs. Maybe we'll see. We'll see if he could be the closer next season, but in terms of high leverage, he's allowing a 139 batting average in high leverage moments and a 466 OPS in high leverage moments. When it's medium, 333 average, 1012 OPS and low, 214 average, 857 OPS. So Tyler Clippard, by definition, is at his best when his back is against the wall and the pressure is on. So because of that, I like Tyler Clippard and I love the offseason signing by him, which is not something I would have would have expected to say a couple months ago where we were like two and a half months into the season and he still hadn't debuted yet. Now, the next piece of news, Merrill Kelly, who did test positive for COVID-19 back on August 14th. So we haven't seen Merrill Kelly in a month. He had a 38-pitch bullpen in Arizona. And Merrill Kelly someone who feels like they've been pretty inconsistent and pretty up and down this year. But looking at his game log, it's been way more consistent than I even realized or expected. This is someone who I've said repeatedly just struggled at the beginning of the year. But maybe I've been wrong and maybe I've been lying about that. Maybe I need to take a deeper dive because I'm looking at his game log. I don't want to go through every game, but gave up three earned runs or four innings in his first game. So that raises ERA all the way to 6.75. Then he had back-to-back starts where he gave up six earned runs. So through three starts, his ERA was at an 8.44. But after that, he goes three runs, one run, two, two three three two then he gives up five then he gives up four then three then four so there's a little stretch there where it brings his ERA back up to a 5.4 so and that's back on June 16th so basically two months through the season he has a mid fives ERA and it feels like Merrill Kelly hasn't been that good but really it was the first three starts of the year then up until June 16th it was like his last four starts where he went five Earn runs, four earn runs, three earn runs, four earn runs. So it, I guess it was a little up and down during that first half. But then after that, he goes right back to being a dominant pitcher. One earn run, zero, three, two, one, four, two, three, zero. And then his last start before COVID, he gave up five earned runs. So mostly, I think it has been a pretty good season by Merrill Kelly. I think in that first half of the year, you could say, 40% of the time, it was maybe a clunker, but still, looking at the game log, I think it's been a more consistent season for Merrill Kelly than I even remember, and his ERA on the season now is a 4.30, but I think he's pitched better than a 4.30, and his last 20 starts, in five of them, he's given up at least four earned runs, but no more than five, so he's between four and five in his really bad starts over his last 20 games, so Merrill Kelly, over the course of the season, he's got like 
eight stinkers in 25 starts and some of those stinkers are just him giving up four earned runs where it's not even that bad so Merrill Kelly I'm actually excited to see him back in the rotation and I think this is someone that we should keep for next year as a number three number four starter probably more of a number four but he's pitched like a number three I think at times this season I think since May he's pitched like a number three and in 2020 he's pitched like a number two so I have two good years of a solid sample size from Merrill Kelly where I know he's a good pitcher and I think he's better than that 4.3 ERA he has this year now the next guy that could be making his way back to the Arizona lineup pretty soon is a little Cole Calhoun and this is someone who's missed even more time than a Ketel Marte or Carson Kelly this season strained his left hamstring and he's just been out for a very long time and is expected to begin his base running program pretty soon which is the most important thing for a player with a hamstring injury can you run can you run to first base to beat out ground balls? That's very important. Of course, if you're an outfielder too, he's got to run and track down these fly balls. So you need to be able to run. And he's only appeared in 36 games this season. And Cole Calhoun was pretty solid last year. Yes, he had a 226 average, but 864 OPS was a career high. Granted, 54 games, but he also had 16 home runs. So he was on pace for the highest career home run total of his career I, I said career twice there so Cole Calhoun is an interesting guy I think he's probably better suited for another team D-backs have an influx of talent in the outfield outside of Corbin Carroll and Alec Thomas I mean they've been playing Paven Smith out there Dalton Varsho Josh Rojas like there's legitimately five or six guys the D-backs could have a rotation with in the outfield depending on how they want to construct their roster and I like a guy like Cole Calhoun but He's probably someone that's better suited for another team in his mid-30s. A lot of power, left-handed at bat too. I think you could fetch a decent prospect, nothing that good, but probably the 20th best prospect in someone's organization. If I could get that for a Cole Calhoun, I would pretty, I'd be pretty happy with that return. And the last guy who actually won't be returning uh, very soon is Caleb Smith, who just started his 10-game suspension this past Saturday. He's just staying in shape, doing simulated games. Caleb Smith has been, he's someone that has had an up-and-down season this year. His ERA right now is at a 5.06, and this is someone who at one point was the D-backs' best reliever. He was someone that I could trust out the bullpen, surprisingly, because I never thought I would be able to say, hey, I can trust a Caleb Smith here, but that was the case. He was pretty good as a reliever, and the splits still tell you. In 48 innings as a reliever, Caleb Smith, 2-8-1 year right. He's been dominant as a bullpen guy this year, but in 13 starts, he has a 6-9-5 year right. So the only question is, are we starting Caleb Smith because we want to lose games? That's the only thing that those numbers tell me. The only reason he has 13 starts has to be because the D-backs want to finish in last place and get that number one pick. You don't take a guy with a seven-year array and start him over 13 games when he's literally, arguably, your best reliever. So something like that just tells me the D-backs either want to lose games or Tori Lovello it really doesn't know what he's doing or maybe doesn't know what he's doing and he wants to get out of Arizona because it is it is Tori Lovello's last season of his contract so maybe he's making the decision easy for Mike Hazen not to bring him back next year. Now we'll talk with Bryce Patrick of Locked On Rangers about the AL wildcard race but first tell me if this sounds familiar. You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. 
Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called DirecTV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part? There's no annual contract, so get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts your car will need. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto prices are always reliably low for every customer. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you because they have amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. Go please visit rockauto.com. All right, all right, all right. Let's get into that pod with Bryce Patterick. One final question I want to ask you, Bryce. How are you feeling with the AL wildcard standings? Right now, it seems like an AL East team is gonna is gonna take home the two wild cards. You got the Red Sox with, I believe, a game and a half as we're recording this set uh, on Thursday, 7:15 p.m. I believe the Red Sox have game and a half on the Yankees. I think the Blue Jays are within within a game, a game and a half too. And then I think the Mariners are fourth. So right now, who are you leaning toward to take home the two wild cards in the American League? You know, I as much as I hate myself to say it, I think the Yankees are going to take home that first wild card. And, you know, the reason is Boston didn't do enough of the deadline. I, mm-hmm. I think like they rested on their laurels. There were signs this team wasn't quite as good as they were performing all year. They needed starting pitching. They really did. And them just saying, no, no, no our guys are fine. We're going to bring in Chris sale. That'll fix yeah. everything. You still have four more spots in your rotation. And like, Maybe one or two of them are average players. Like, I love Martin Perez to death. I love him, and I wish him nothing but, you know, happiness and success for his whole life. But he's not an above-average starting pitcher, and he was in the rotation a big part of it. Um, Nick Pavetta, I think, was a little bit of smoke and mirrors, and he's coming back down to earth a little bit. Um, but I think the Yankees are surging at the right time. Um, maybe the Blue Jays can catch him. This Mariners team, I think, is going to win the AL West as soon as next year and kind of run this mm. division for a while so I don't know that they quite have enough to get past um, the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Blue Jays, but like they'll give it their all. And, you know, they might give the Astros a little bit of a scare because Oakland's kind of fallen off a cliff the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm leaning toward the Red Sox and Yankees. Uh, I agree with you that the Red Sox didn't do enough. Whenever I talk to other lockdown hosts around the MLB trade deadline. The Red Sox were one of my teams I felt like just missed out on that big move. It, it didn't have to be a Max Scherzer, but a guy like Kyle Gibson of the Texas Rangers, like they just desperately needed someone else. Yes, Nathan Avaldi was an all-star, but he was, he was playing above his head the first half. He's still a pretty good pitcher, but he should not be the ace of your team. He's more they of a needed, number three. Them and the Padres had similar things, they, but they just needed like one adult in the room to add to their rotation. Like, the Padres starters were a little more flashy and they had more like, 
don't know, reason to be hopeful because they had a Blake Snell and a uh, Joe Musgrove and a Hugh Darvish. Um, Darvish has kind of fallen off a little bit. hurts me to say that. I don't even know that I believe that it's true because I love Hugh Darvish so much. But, like, they needed a little bit more depth in there. And the Red Sox, you know, they've been playing a little bit over their heads. And so they need a little help. I think the Blue Jays could have used another starter in the rotation as well. I was a little surprised there wasn't more talk about Kyle Gibson to the Blue Jays. That's what I. That's where I thought he would go. I did not see the Phillies coming as a destination, but you know, I'm really happy with the trade. Very happy to have Spencer Howard. And it seems like Spencer Howard's very happy to be in Texas with a change of scenery and a team that's actually going to let him start consistently. Do you think Kyle Gibson had any chance of winning the, of course the Rangers were bad, but did you think Kyle Gibson had any chance of winning the Cy Young award? Because if you look at it, I guess Garrett Cole would be in first place, but even my former guy, Robbie Ray is going to be arguably in second place for that Cy Young award. Maybe Lance Lynn, like, it, do you think Kyle Gibson had a chance before he got traded? No, no, because mm-hmm. Lance Lynn pitched uh, just incredible season last year. Just absolutely incredible. I think he finished like what fifth in the Cy Young voting last year. It's like when you're on a bad team, you just don't get nearly as much of a look. And as much as that sucks, that's just kind of the way it goes. Um, Obviously, Shohei Otani is going to win the AL MVP this year, as well he mm-hmm. should, even though the Angels are a bit of a trash fire, as they've always been. But he's just having a historic season. But, yeah, I don't think Kyle Gibson really had much of a chance at that Cy Young if he stayed on the Rangers. Yeah, I usually I, I always got mad whenever Mike Trout got the MVP award and his team was, like, in dead last because I was like, right, we let, let's put a little I, – I have a little respect for uh, the best player on, you know, one of the better teams in baseball. But when it comes to Shohei, Shohei Otani, I just throw all those rules and feelings away just because, I mean, the man is literally their best slugger and he, he they've been waiting for a pitcher for years and he decided to be their best slugger and best pitcher. So I feel like you have to give him the award the next 10 years. Like, I feel like one day we have to rename the MVP – there's gonna be like a separate award the like mvp besides shohei otani or the cy young besides shohei otani because what he's doing is just like it is the most exciting thing in sports right now i'd say yeah i i probably really couldn't argue with that so it looks like we got the yankees or did you say the red sox or blue jays for the second wild card i forgot already oh i didn't uh you know what Screw it. I'm, I'm going to say Blue Jays. Sorry, sorry, Red Sox fans. If there's any of you listening to this random Rangers and Diamondbacks <laughs> crossover. But um, but yeah, I feel good about the Blue Jays. I want to believe I'm probably going to be wrong. But you know what? Who cares? <laughs> well, that would that would hurt my soul a little bit if I saw Robbie Ray out there for a wild card game <laughs> fighting for fighting for his life and, and possibly dominating because he, he's been one of the best pitchers in baseball the last couple of years with the Toronto Blue Jays. I, I don't know if it's been because he's in Canada like he hasn't even really been in Canada because of the pandemic like they haven't even been there. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I guess they they said they went back to his original delivery. So I guess the, it was the D-backs' fault for why he wasn't pitching well in Arizona. Oh, so you guys but broke him. Oh, okay. We broke him. Allegedly, <laughs> we broke him. That's what Blue Jays Twitter tells me. I was like, it was a change of scenery. He just had to get out of Arizona. They were like, no. All he did was go back to his original delivery. I was like, oh, okay. I mean, I haven't watched him too much. So I'll take their word for it. But I'm going to use the the fact that he was cursed by the D-backs as the reason why he couldn't <laughs> perform here. Well, Bryce, we've been talking here for 45 minutes. Where can the Lockdown listeners, the Lockdown D-backs listeners find you? I, I mean, they, they have to know, Bryce. Where can they find you on social media? 
Well, you can find me on Twitter at Bryce Patrick. That's Bryce with an I, Patrick with no C. You can follow the show just at Locked On Rangers. I know our our hockey fans are not happy that I got that, but you know my Locked On Rangers was here first. So uh, <laughs> if you want to ask me Rangers questions or randomly some New York Rangers questions, I will do my best to a- answer <laughs> both of those. Where can the fine folks listening to Locked On Rangers find you and all your good stuff, Millard? At Creator Thomas, 24 for my personal account. You know it's me, and you know it's Bryce because we got the blue check mark. So you know it's us <laughs> on Twitter when you see that. But for the show account, I bet you if you just type in Locked On Diamondbacks on the Twitter search bar, the Instagram search bar, I'm pretty sure it will pop up. Bryce, thanks for hopping on today's pod. Thanks for the last-minute response to me uh, asking you if you could hop on today's crossover. We haven't caught up in like a year so. Man, it's, gl- it's good to see you. Good to see that you're okay, and I'm hoping you're you're staying safe out there in Texas. Doing my best, man. Uh, look, I'm always here to hop on with a fellow locked-on MLB <laughs> sad boy. we got to look out for each other because if we don't, then no one else will. That's true. Bryce Patrick of Locked On Rangers, thinking, thank you for hopping on and giving us some time today, buddy. That's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Thank you to everyone who tuned in to today's pod. We'll be back tomorrow discussing the Dodgers once again. And as always, stay safe and stay healthy. Deuces!